Good morning. Wow, y'all, I'm so pumped to be here this morning. I have, I have been looking forward to this. Uh, like I said, a lot of you that uh, I have known for several years, uh, John Hugh is just an amazing guy. I love to hear him preach. I love that he has a heart for Christ and, uh, and stands up for the gospel. Amen. And um, many others, I won't go into naming a whole lot of names, but I got to just say, Mr. Robert, I am so happy to see you this morning. He is one of my former church members, um, uh, Roger's dad. And so thank you all for being here as well. Uh, it's always a little bit awkward when the pastor's not here, right? Because things kind of get all turned around in different orders and different things. Hunter, I appreciate you, dude, and all the stuff that you do and for introducing and, and sharing the gospel and all these types of things. I love to hear what Bellwether is doing, not only in the Jackson community, but across the world. It's just sharing the gospel. Um, before I get into our passage, man, I just got to say, who, who all is going on the Honduras trip? Several of you? Man, what a great thing to do. Uh, I went on, a Honduras, on several Honduras mission trips several years ago. I can remember uh, our church had not gone on a foreign mission trip, and we got a guy to come in and share that story with us. And he gave a slideshow. Yeah, it was literally slides. Y'all remember those things? <laughs> And he shared what they did in Honduras and the lives, the many lives that were touched through that. And there was a friend of mine named John Davis. And John Davis and I decided that we were going to do that. Didn't know what all it entailed, but they kind of gave us a general idea of what it was going to be like. And so we, um, we, we prepared for the worst. We, and, and it's really a good thing that we did. We only had two from our church that were going to go, and we teamed from this uh, uh, team with a group from Alabama. And these guys graciously let us in, and we prepared for the worst, and we got there, and it was a good thing we did because there was no indoor plumbing. There was no outdoor plumbing. Uh, there was no clean water being pumped in. There was no electricity, and so... When we had our worship services, there was a generator that we would crank up and we would run the lights and we would run the PA system and there were many that were brought to the Lord that week. And so uh, it reminded me of a story of a church mission in Africa and, and its mission had set up a small church in this village or outside of a village, and they had four small rooms set up. And what the pastor did is he put light bulbs in each of these rooms, and it was powered by a generator. And one day some uh, groups from a neighboring village came in to the church to visit the pastor. And when they did, they saw in the center of that room a light bulb that was hanging down, and and it it was burning bright. And at the end of that little meeting, the pastor went to leave the room with the guys from the village, and he pulled the switch to turn off the light. And the guys from the village, were their minds were just blown. They had no idea. They had never seen one of these things. And so one of the guys says, may I have one of those? And the pastor's like, yeah, I'll be glad to give you one of those. So he goes in his little uh, container over there and he pulls out a light bulb and he gives it to this guy from the village. 
It was just a few days later that the pastor was out visiting and he sees that man that he gave that light bulb who invited him to come back to his house. And as he walked in the room, he noticed that that man had a light bulb in the center of his little hut strung by a nylon fishing line. That's when the pastor decided to tell him that it took power to run that light bulb, that it took wire to get the power that needed to burn that bulb. You know, it's easy for us to smile at this, at the simple ignorance of of this village uh, guy who thought that the light bulb would burn, but we have a tendency to do the same thing in our relationship with Christ. We have this light within us that is supposed to burn, and it's supposed to burn bright. City on a hill cannot be hidden, right? Let your light shine among all men, that they may see your good works and give praise to you. No, to give praise to your Father in heaven. Y'all, we have the power of the Holy Spirit within us. Amen? We have not just something within us. We have someone within us. That for the believer in Christ, we have the power of the Holy Spirit living within us. And yet we live like that light bulb connected to this fishing line. Often without any enthusiasm, without any zeal for leading others to know Jesus or for us serving the Lord. This morning, I want to take us to uh, the book of John. We're going to be in John chapter 15, verses 1 through 12. So if you'll turn there with me. John chapter 15, verse 1 through 12. Starting in verse 1, it says, I am the true vine. And my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will even be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, it's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be given you. Verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's command and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you 
and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. May God bless the reading and hearing of his word this morning. Let's pray for just a moment, please. Father, God, thank you for being present in this place. God, I pray that your spirit would speak today. That, God, it wouldn't just be about uh, the person on our right or the person on our left, but, God, you would speak directly to us this morning. God, use this weak vessel to be shown strong today. Be glorified in this place. Speak truth to our hearts. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. What an amazing scripture today that Jesus gives us uh, about this connection to the true source of life. And, And guys, not only to exist in this world, but to grow to, to, to live with purpose, to thrive in this world, to actually live, to have life. Picture the setting here. Jesus has just been in the upper room with his disciples. He has washed their dirty, stinky feet, right? He has taught them lessons about what it means to serve. And he's teaching them all of these things. And then they have a meal together. And and he serves the wine and the bread. And he, he teaches them what that means. And then they leave that place and they go to this... Where did they go after they left the upper room? Starts with a G. To the garden. They go to... They're going to this garden. And and so picture Jesus. He's going to the garden... And all of a sudden you can kind of picture the the beautiful garden around him and the vine and the branches and, and the fruit that is growing. And Jesus gives this scripture. He begins to talk about that Him being the vine and that they're the branches and they are to bear fruit. And and in His flawless ways, He teaches us, He teaches them and He teaches us that we are to stay connected to Him. And not only that, he says, here's what that's supposed to look like in your life. And so y'all notice the first verse of what it says here. It says, I am the true vine. Now understand the context. When you start to read of the vine in Scripture... It's talking about Israel. Israel is usually the one that's, that's referred to as the vine or the vineyard of God. And so in that day when they referred to that, the Jewish religious thought that they were the true seed because they were the true seed of Abraham, that they had right favor with God, that that made them right. And so picture what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, I am the true vine. This word true is from the Greek word aletheinos. And and I know that sounds Spanish because I can't speak Greek. But it means, it means true, it means real, it means means genuine. We hear a lot of fake stuff today, right? And, And honestly, sometimes it's hard to tell what's true and what's not true. Even this morning... I turned the news on and I'm watching um, 
oh, what's the name of the Channel 3 with the old White House correspondent? Y'all know who I'm talking about. But they're talking about politics and they're talking about, this is, is this a true story or is it fake news? Sometimes it's hard to tell. Then they start talking about, well, this is a diversion from this other thing. From the what's the real truth. Hear me, church. Can, can I just tell you, Satan loves to throw out deception. He is a master of lies. And y'all, he wants to fill our minds with what appears to be true, but in reality are false. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and do what? And to destroy. Jesus says, I've come to give you life and give it to you in abundance. Satan doesn't even mind us coming to church, y'all. He doesn't mind us coming to church as long as our minds and our attention are off of what really matters. Of us growing in Christ and fulfilling the mission of Christ and building His kingdom. Right? So what's the deception? Well, Jesus says that He is the way, the truth, and the life. And y'all, the world... The world just don't believe that. That there are other things that truly matter, that we worship other things besides Jesus, putting Jesus first. We worship church buildings, we worship our kids, we worship our jobs, we worship our church buildings, we worship denomination. We were having that discussion before church. We put our happiness in things such as social media and how many likes we get and how many tags we get and all of these things. We tend to worship ourselves because, y'all, be honest, we're prideful people. And Jesus is saying the whole time, worship me, stay connected to what is true, what is real. So let's go deeper. Look at our scripture again. It says, I am the true vine, and my father's the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. So he's talking about two distinct and separate things here, church. He's talking about certain things being cut off and burned, withering away, being cut off and burned. And then he is talking about being pruned. So so let's look at these two things quickly. First, what is it that needs to be cut away from our lives? Well, the, the, the question to ask with that is, what's not bearing fruit in your life? And that takes a little self-examination, right? David says, search me, O God. Know my heart. In other words, God... What is it in me that is competing with you? What is it in me that is drawing me away from a relationship that you would desire to have with me, from me growing in Christ? Is it attitudes that we have? Could be habits that we have that we just don't want to get rid of. It could be our language. Could be gossip. Could even be these things that get in the way. How do you spend your time? And so, guys, let's get let's just get real here. Let's be practical, right? 
Um, I've been vocational for a long, long time. I, I work in a hospital in Brookhaven, been there for 24 years as a CIO. And, y'all, I love computers. I love playing games and stuff. Yeah, I'm, I'm that techie guy, the nerd in there. And um, so there used to be this game that was called Farmtown. And, and I know it's lame. But it was a computer game, and I would, y'all, I spent hours upon hours upon hours playing this game. And there's actually another preacher that, that taught me, to, that showed it to me. Because on these things, you, how many of y'all have played computer games before? So what do they do? They try to invite you to get other people to play, right? So that's what this thing did. It would invite you to play, and, and it, it was intentionally built for and program for you to keep doing things and if you didn't you lost the game and so that's what this game was like you had to keep getting in and every few hours you had to go in and do something until finally I figured out the trap I was staying up till 10 11 12 o'clock at night playing this game and I thought what kind of eternal value does this have none And I am wasting all of this time. Now, before you start judging, you candy crush people. (laughs) Or Fortnite. Okay, who knows what Fortnite is? Uh Uh-huh. Y'all know what I'm talking about. These games, they're, they're addicting. They're addicting. You know, I I read a study the other day that talked about, even with our cell phones, we talk about consuming time. Listen to this. Americans check their phone once every 12 minutes. So that would mean that the majority of you have already checked your phone already since I have been up here. Now, be honest with me. Who's, who all has done that? Every, just about every one of you. Here's another thing. You can put your phone away in church, by the way. 10% of the population, 10% checks it every four minutes. Now, I'm not saying that you've got to throw away your cell phone in order to be a Christian. But the point is, there are things in our life that we need to cut off and throw away because they are drawing away what Christ wants to do in our life. And they're pulling away the energy that we can be putting toward things that are of eternal, that are of eternal value. And that's a good point in this scripture. It certainly is about things that we have in our life that we need to cut off and they need to be burned. They need to be thrown away. But what Christ emphasized in this scripture was more toward the pruning, right? So what is, what is this pruning thing? I live way out in the country. I live between Brookhaven and Monticello. We live way out there. My wife, let me just tell you, she knows how to garden. I can't, if I touch it, it's going to die. But every year, she goes to this little nursery outside of Brookhaven called Buds and Blooms. And she'll go to that nursery and she comes back with a truck load full of plants, of shrubs, of all this stuff. And then she will get me to go to this uh, bark place and we bring home truckloads of bark and, and truckloads of dirt and she just makes all of these flower beds and all of this stuff and I have no idea what to do there. I just do what she tells me, right? Um, 
But one of the things that she has to do, she has beautiful roses. And what just blew my mind was that even the rose bushes that were blooming and that looked fantastic, that even those that bloomed and looked really good, she cut those back. And I asked her, why in the world do you do that? Because when you cut them back, they come back even more plentiful and more beautiful the next year. So how does pruning work for us? It certainly doesn't sound very pleasant, does it? It's talking about things that even may seem to be good, may even be things that are producing some fruit, but God is instructing us to cut those back so that it can produce even more. And you know, that can pertain to us in our personal lives, and it can pertain to our church as well. But hear this truth. If there is never any change, there will never be any sustained growth. If there's never any change, there will never be any sustained growth. Why? Because we become stagnant. And all of us, all of us want to say amen to this preacher. That is, that is exactly right. But the problem is we don't want to change. We don't want to change. I, I can see it in the work life. Somebody changes up what you're doing and you just, everybody freaks out about it. Don't tell me we're changing the order of the service today. Hunter, don't do that. Don't tell me we're changing up the service times. Don't, don't tell me we're changing up what kind of music we're listening to. Or here's the one that I love. If it ain't broke, don't fix it. And we get into this mindset. And those things are really about the church. But what about you? What is it that that God is wanting to prune so that you can grow? Did you know that God really wants to do continually do something new in your life? He wants to continually... Do something new in your life. Lord, help us. If we ever get to the place this side of heaven where we think we've got it all figured out and we lose the teachable spirit that God wants us to have. You mentioned it earlier, Hunter, that that we we are His disciples. And by definition, that means that we are learners. We are students of Christ. That does not end, church. So, so how, how do we apply that to ourselves? Preacher, I've been, a, I've been a class leader or Sunday school teacher for 10 years. Let me ask you, what if he's calling you to do something different today? What if as a youth minister or a teacher or you've led some, you, you, the table out here, one of these things and God says, you know what, you've been doing a great work for me. I'm going to do something greater in your life. Are you ready to step out and do that? You know, one of the hardest things that I've seen, especially in little churches, how am I doing on time? Y'all know what it means when a preacher looks at his watch? Nothing. <laughs> it don't mean nothing. Um, I really don't go long. I really don't. Um, You know what I discovered, especially in little churches, that little churches always have somebody that ends up teaching 20, 30 years. 
is that that person loved that position so much that they didn't want to give it up for somebody else to have the opportunity to, pre- to teach. If you've never taught a class, you'll never learn as much by sitting in that chair as you would by teaching that class. And you'll go, oh, I'm not qualified to do that. You know what? God will qualify you to do that. God will teach you. I see some heads shaking because you've been in that chair. Now, don't hear me hating on teachers. God bless you, and God may have you exactly where you need to be. But maybe you're on the other end of that, and and God is saying, it's time for you to get out of your pew and volunteer to do something like that. Or maybe give up that summer vacation so that you can go on a Honduras mission trip this summer. Or perhaps even give up a Saturday once a month so that you can go do a mission trip at your neighbor's house. What does that look like? It means cutting their grass. It means cleaning their house for a shut-in that can't really do it anymore. It means maybe helping buy them groceries. It means showing the love of Christ. Church, when we get plugged in to the vine, things begin to change. What happens is fruit begins to happen. The Holy Spirit gets involved. And man, things, and you know it's God. You see changes happening in you. You get plugged into the church. You get plugged into the Word of God. And you see lives changed. And things happen and you go, I know it's Jesus because I couldn't do that. Let me move on. Eleven times. Eleven times in this scripture we see him use the Greek word meno, which means to abide. It means to remain. To continue to be present, to dwell. <laughs> and so he's telling, he's telling the disciples and he's telling the believers of Bellwether Church, he's going, you are there, you get it, you understand it, now you need to abide in me and remain in me. Don't get lazy in your faith. Otherwise, church, you can't accomplish anything is what he's saying. Abide in me. Remain in me. I want to close with a, with a story. It's about a daddy and his little girl. His little girl went shopping with her, with her daddy. And while she was there in one of the stores, she saw this little pearl bracelet that was in the counter, and they weren't real pearls, but it didn't matter to her. They were the most beautiful pearls she had ever seen. And she couldn't afford those pearls. And so that day they went home, and she scrapped up as much change as she could find. She, she pulled cushions out of the couch and she was looking for spare change. She would do little odd and end jobs around the house like sweeping and things and to get a little extra money to save nickels and dimes and quarters so that she could go get that pearl bracelet. And she finally got enough money to scrap up to do it and her daddy took her to that store and she laid the money up on the counter and they gave her that little pearl bracelet. Y'all, it was just a little plastic thing. But y'all, she was so proud of it. She loved that bracelet. She took it home, and to all of her friends, she would show that little pearl bracelet. 
She wouldn't even take it off when she was getting in the bed or sleeping or all day long taking a bath. She didn't want to take it off. She had had it on for so long. And again, it was, it was fake pearls. It began to even turn green. You ever had that happen? Turn green on her wrist. She just would not get rid of it. And her daddy came in the room one night and, and he says, Honey, do you love me? And she said, Oh, of course I do, Daddy. And he said, give me your pearls. Oh, no, Daddy. I I can't give you my pearls. Here, take my doll. You can have my doll, Daddy, but don't take my pearls. It's like, no, honey, that's okay. That's okay. And he tucked her in and kissed her goodnight. Wasn't too long after that. Young girl was going to bed again. A daddy came upstairs and he says, honey, do you love me? She says, oh, Daddy, you know I love you. I love you so much. And he says, well, honey, give me your pearls. Oh, no, 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 Daddy, you you can't have my pearls. Here, take my favorite toy, but don't take my pearls, Daddy. And he said, no, that's okay, baby. And he kissed her goodnight. And the same thing happened a few nights later. He went upstairs to tuck her into bed and... He said, honey, do you love me? And she said, daddy, I love you with all my heart. And he said, then honey, will you give me your pearls? And with tears in her eyes, she took that pearl bracelet off her hand and she gave it to her father. And when she did, he pulled out a set of genuine Athenos, real pearls that were worth exponentially more than she could have ever imagined. Church, are you ready to lay down the cheap things of life and trade it in for something that is exponentially better? Some of us have gotten so used to the other stuff being in our lives, the junk in our lives that we think it's supposed to be there. We've gotten in that mindset and we're holding on to those things so tight when God is saying, let it go. I've got something so much better in store for you. Y'all, it's not just about coming to church. It's about being the church. I'm going to ask the worship team if you will come forward as we get ready for this invitation. Let me just ask you a question. Why did Jesus give us this story? You know, His Word does not remain void. Why did Jesus tell us this thing? The last part of that Scripture that we read It says, so that His joy would be in us and that our joy would be complete. Wow. Do you need joy in your life today? Hunter shared the gospel with us earlier. I don't know why you're here, but I do believe God has you here for a reason. Maybe you need the joy of His salvation this morning that you've been going through things in life that you need to lay down at the foot of the cross. Maybe you need to get reconnected today and you know you have been apart from Christ. 
You know where it starts, church? It starts with repentance. That if we confess our sins, that He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Do you know it also says that if we confess Jesus as our Lord, if we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart, that we'll be saved. I struggled with that verse for a long time because when it says, I I grew up knowing that Jesus was my Savior, but it took me a long time to figure out that I had to accept Him as the Lord of my life. Not just on Sundays, but for every day to follow Christ. And So I'm going to ask you this morning, do you know the Savior? Are you connected? Do you need to be reconnected with Him today? Let's pray. Father, I thank You this morning that You are present with us. I pray that, Lord, that in this moment that Your Spirit would speak, that You would show us where we, Lord, need to grow in You, or maybe, Lord, we need to take a step out today just for the first time and say, Lord, I need You, and I need to surrender, that I need to fall on my knees before You. So, Lord, you be glorified right now. God, would you just have your way in this place? As we come to this altar, in Jesus' name.